Good morning and welcome to Thursday morning, February the 2nd, 2023 on When I Rise. Today we have Year A, the Presentation of the Lord, which is just a one-day holiday in the midst of the church's calendar year, and there's a liturgy for it, and there's different Bible passages, so we can select one for today. On the Thursday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the New Testament letter passage, and so we actually find ourselves in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, so let me read that passage. Provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us party in morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Therefore, since the children shared in flesh and blood, he also shared in the same things in the same way. He did, this so, he did this to destroy the one who holds the power over death, the devil, by dying. He set free those who were being held in slavery their entire lives by their fear of death. Of course, he isn't trying to help angels, but rather he's helping Abraham's descendants. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way. This was so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in things relating to God in order to wipe away the sins of the people. He's able to help those who are being tempted, since he himself experienced suffering when he was tempted. This is the word of God for us. This idea of presentation of the Lord is looking at Jesus and what he was set out to do. Jesus was presented in the temple. Um, at a certain age, and so there are certain times throughout the church calendar year we have these like one-off days, according to you know the relative timeline of the narrative that unfolds. And so here we have uh, Jesus being presented at the temple, and there are words spoken about him by some onlookers, by prophets of God, uh, servants of God, who fill in the gaps of all of the things that are happening, swirling around uh, Jesus and his birth narrative. And so we have. We just have this understanding that he's going to be a person of promise. And so the writer of Hebrews comes in to fill in the gap once again, that Jesus was going to come as a sacrifice for sins. Now, in the creedal confession, that's about as specific as it gets, that for us and for our salvation, Jesus came and he died, right? So, of course, across uh, the spectrum of church history, you've got all these different governing metaphors for what Jesus' work on the cross is, right? So we call it atonement. How did he cover over uh, the sins of all humanity, right? And so there's major moves, there's all these, there, and there's different nuances uh, to the major ideas. But your view of atonement, my view of atonement as a Christian, uh, tends to correlate uh, three different beliefs. Uh, believe about who God is, about who Jesus was, and about what sin is, and what ultimately what the doctrine of humanity is. Who are we if we're a people who have sin? And so the result of those three doctrines swirled together makes up the doctrine of atonement. So the first major operating software for atonement or why answer the question why did jesus have to go to the cross and die is this um general theory that we call the ransom theory that somehow the world was enslaved to sin that we were born as uh, children of slaves okay so we um, because of that have no free rights of our own but we enter into this world with a heavy plight uh, we've got no sort of advocate uh, we have no legal standing because of who we are related to first adam and Eve. And so um, we're, we kind of inherit the sinful problem, um, 
the things that we choose to do you know being uh, things that break god's law and so there seems to be this sense like how are we going to be freed so who's going to pay the emancipation like how are these slaves going to be able to experience freedom and so in general the ransom theory says that jesus was like a a token given from God the Father to the devil in order, and it tricks the devil in a certain way when he's raised from the dead. So not only is Jesus vindicated from the grave, but all those who are found in Jesus now are out of under the bondage of sin and death itself. And we see this language in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, he did this, verse uh, 14, he did this to destroy the one who holds the power over death, the devil by dying. And then verse 15, he set free those who were held in slavery their entire lives by their fear of death. So we're born into this slave to death and sin. Uh, Jesus joins us. He's offered um, as like a a decoy or ransom payment of sorts. Jesus is raised. Jesus is going to raise everyone else. And so those in Christ are raised with him. And not only are we freed from like the legal death and sin of our lives, but we're also freed from the very fear of death. And I think this is an important thing to reckon uh, in the midst of the Roman Empire where these letters are first written to. I mean, Roman authorities could uh, threaten you with death for anything, and they could control you that way. So if they can't control you by the fear of death, therefore you're kind of set free on a second level as well. You can live as faithful people knowing that even if your life leads to being uh, blackballed by the empire or worse, that you're in God's care because the same God who vindicated Jesus from the grave is going to vindicate us as well. We get to spend the eternal type of life with God. And so this is all kind of tightly knit um, in this passage. And so this is the first, like maybe the first major idea that people had when they answered the question, like why did Jesus had to go to a cross? He went to a cross because he wanted to see as many freed. It's kind of like the person who uh, breaks into the jail so he could break everyone else out of jail. Like this is what's going on here. And so ultimately a passage like this leads us to celebration and what we could call in a fancy term, doxology, right? What Jesus did was praiseworthy. His, his life wasn't wasted. Uh, but it was sent on purpose, uh, and he went undercover over enemy lines into the deepest, darkest den of sin and death, and he came out victorious, and he's bringing everybody out with him. Every cell gets opened up. And so what does this mean for you and for me? We certainly see, we certainly see the sting of death. Uh, we, do, we certainly have maybe even fear of our own of death, or we uh, see sin still reigning in us and in this world around us. And so maybe we're convinced this work wasn't effectual, like that maybe God still has to do something else on top of what Jesus has already done. So with eyes of faith, we look at Hebrews 2 once again and say, no, what Jesus did on the cross and the grave was something once and for all, like it's an emancipation of those who are enslaved into sin and death. And so we can be glad hearted about it. Um, we can have that weight fall off our shoulders. And then now we can look out into the world and say, okay, where is the evidence where sin and death is reigning? We need to renounce those things and we need to reclaim those things as God's because the one who's been raised is the one who's Lord over the whole world, right? So we could celebrate and we also get active in the, the work that's still being done in this world around us because people still need to hear the clarion call that they have had their shackles of sin removed and they can be set free. So those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you this day that Jesus, you're the victorious one. We thank you that you sought for your whole life and mission was to rescue others. And so we thank you that you endured suffering and death and being uh, victoriously raised in order to bring others with you. And so we rejoice that we are in that long train of victors who used to be captors. And so we thank you for freedom from sin, uh, freedom from the fear of death. We thank you that eternal life is available now, to experience now, and it'll be available in spades in the long runs. We thank you that today we can embrace the kingdom life now. God, we also recognize that you're still at work in the world, that there's still vindication yet to be done. This is broken world around us. And so we go out rejoicing, knowing that you're still the one in control, the one who is able to set others free. And so we pray for family members and loved ones and co-workers and peers at school, everyone that we encounter today. Our heart is open for them, open for them to be set free. And so we lay those names upon your heart in prayer this morning. And we ask God that you would do it again, what you did for us, would also do for them and for all others to the ends of the earth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.